1: Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us today. Turn with us to the
0: the gospel according to Matthew 26, chapter 26, verses 14 through 16. And then you'll skip down to verses 47 through 50. Matthew 26, 14 through 16, and then verses 47 through 50. When you finally say amen, praise God. The scripture says... Then one of the 12, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. Now skip down to verse 47 through 50. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the 12, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? And from that particular text, I want to preach the subject, the kiss of death. The kiss of death. I believe in all, with all my heart that this is the saddest passage in all of Scripture because it is the tragic scene where Jesus, the Son of God, who is King, Savior, and Lord, is betrayed by Judas, one of his own disciples, and sold for 30 measly pieces of silver. Even though Judas' name means praise, I never met a person whose name was Judas. Judas was chosen by God, he walked with God, he was discipled by God, he was taught by God, he ate with Jesus, he saw the miracles of Jesus, had the responsibility of being the treasurer among the twelve, and yet he is involved himself in a conspiracy with the chief priests and elders who were religious leaders who had purpose in their heart to trap and kill Jesus. The scripture says, look at verse 26, verses 47 through 50. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the 12, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign saying, look at Judas talk with his crooked self. Whomever I kiss, he is the one, y'all. Seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? You see, Judas was uh, used as a pawn in the hands of the religious leaders because they manipulated him to further their own demonic agenda against Jesus. The greeting of Judas and calling him rabbi was a facade, It was hypocritical and void of genuineness. A kiss in the Jewish culture was very special. It was a sign of respect and friendship as well as affection. However, this kiss of Judas was a kiss of betrayal. It was a kiss of deception. It was a kiss of death. Wow. And this kiss identified and assured that the religious leaders who had come to apprehend Jesus would not have taken their own one. And so that kiss was a sign that this is the one because the scripture says, and it was night. According to Matthew twenty-six sixteen. Judas sought an opportunity to betray Jesus. This is the greatest betrayal, not only I believe in all of scripture, but I believe also that this is the greatest betrayal in all of human history, the greatest betrayal. You've been betrayed, I've been betrayed, but there's no betrayal like this betrayal in this text in this appointed time. Now, the question I pose to you today, my friends, is how could Judas do such a diabolical act? How could he do such a fiendish thing? Number one, because the scripture says in Luke 22:3. 3, then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. Beloved, when the devil gets into anyone, nothing is too low down for him or her to do. You say, how did Judas do did what he did? Uh, it's because the devil got in him. And let me tell you something, that's why you have to have the whole arm of God, and that's why you got to be alert, because none of us under my voice are exempt from the devil getting in any one of us. The devil, when he, when he, hey, oh, you know when he gets in you. When he gets in you, you act a plum nelly fool. When the devil gets in you, you won't speak. <laughs> when, the, when the devil gets in you, you, you'll gossip and you'll criticize and, and you'll, you'll cuss somebody out. Uh, you, 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 you'll do something terrible. When the devil gets in you, you lay down a religion that you really don't have that you call yourself laying down. You see, when the devil gets in you, there's nothing too low down for you to do. So Judas did what he did simply because the devil got in him. Judas did what he did, number two, because of greed and the love of money. Matthew 26, 15 said, said what are, look up you willing to give me if I deliver Jesus to you and they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver so from that time Judas sought opportunity to betray Jesus that's horrible that is absolutely horrible wow Beloved, it's a dangerous thing to fall in love with money. It's because of greed and money. When you love money, you will cheat on your taxes. You know, tax time on the 15th, isn't it, of this month? When you love money, you'll steal. When you love money, you'll deceive. When you love money, you'll lie to get it. When you love money, uh, you'll gamble in hopes of winning more money. You'll lose your character, your reputation, and even your family when you love money. Judas sold his soul and lost the opportunity to receive the greatest gift in human history because of his love of money. Mark 8, 37 says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Judas exchanged his soul for 30 pieces of silver. Sold his soul. Sold out. This passage puts on display the veracity, reliability, and truthfulness of Scripture. The damnable deed of Judas was prophesied and came to pass with a 100% accuracy. For we can see in the book of Zechariah, chapter 11, verses 12 and 13, the Scripture says, Then I said to them, If it is agreeable to you, give me my wages. And if not, refrain. So they weighed out. For my wages, 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter, that princely price they set on me. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord for the potter. Listen, even though it was prophesied that Judas would betray Jesus, it was Judas' own free choice and will to do what he did, even though it was prophesied hundreds of years before, Judas was a free volitional creature like all of us today. My friend, it is impossible to live in this life and not experience betrayal. Sooner or later, like Jesus, we shall, not might, not if, we shall be betrayed. How many of you in here have been living long enough that you have experienced betrayal to one degree or another? Man, it hurts. It's a horrible feeling. It's it's something that uh, you just don't want. But as part of the human experience, we oftentimes find ourselves being betrayed by the very one we love. What is betrayal? It is to sell out. It is it is it is to be deceived. It is to. To be abandoned when you need someone the most is unfaithfulness. A betrayer is a traitor. It is to violate confidence by disclosing a secret. You ever told somebody something that in confidentiality and they were your friend, but when they fell out with you, they went and disclosed the very thing because y'all were not on the same terms anymore. That's another form of Betrayal. Or maybe you worked on a job 30 or 40 years, and maybe there was embezzlement in the leadership, as in Enron and so many other major companies uh in Washington and so forth. And you'll let go, or perhaps your benefits are are not fair in the years of retirement because of greed and embezzlement, and you've been betrayed, and you find yourself having to go back to work even. In the late season of your life. And one can clearly see in the account of Judas, the betrayal of Jesus. Not only did Judas betray Jesus, but also Peter betrayed him and the rest of the disciples as well because they were paralyzed by fear. Matthew 26, 69 through 75 says, now Peter sat outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him saying, you also were with Jesus of Galilee, but he denied it before them saying, I do not know what you are saying. You see that? And uh, uh, she. she, she there, here's another account, verse 71. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth But again, he denied with an oath. I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you also are one of them for your speech betrays you. Then Peter began to curse and swear, said, I do not know the man. Immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Peter denied him. Matthew 26, 56b, it says, Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. I mean, that was a form of betrayal, but Judas made the ultimate betrayal. Before we can become... don't, Don't get too hard on Judas and don't be too hard on Peter and the rest of the disciples. Because at one time or another in in our Christian life, all of us have had some Judas-like qualities So't don't, don't, don't get too hard, don't, don't, don't put your nose up at Judas, and, and yes, what he did was bad, and it was sad and very regrettable. But I want to tell you something, and yes, Peter denied him and said he didn't know him, Paralyzed by fear, the disciples forsook Jesus and fled, but don't be too hard on the disciples. Because everyone under my voice, we all have Judas-like qualities. You say you don't, I'll prove it to you. How do we betray Christ? Number one, we betray Christ when we, in breach of his trust, violate our allegiance to him through idolatry and hypocrisy. Luke 9, 62 says, But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I mean, you betray Christ when you uh, when you say you're going to stand for Him and you're going to give your all for Him, but you find yourself instead of serving money, as idols and technology and sports and 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 selfishness and p- the pleasures of this world. Or you come to church looking like a saint on Sunday and you live like the devil on Monday. That's blatant hypocrisy. That's betrayal, to be in the house on Sunday and folk can't even tell you've been here on Monday. That's betrayal. Number two, how do you betray Christ when you profess Christ, come to church, and worship him while living in blatant sin? You come to church, and y'all, you know what? The way y'all look now, it doesn't it don't look like y'all commit an ounce of sin. You, you look holy if you ain't holy, <laughs> You, you understand what I'm saying? It is possible to come to church and put on your religious garb while living in blatant sin and God doesn't accept your worship or anything else because your life is a life of deception and lies. And that's outright deception. It's decept- it's, it, you're deceptive when you can come in here And bless, say bless God, and then you, before you get home, you've cussed your wife out. You know, slapped her, pushed her around. Or maybe sometimes these wives push their husbands around. Nowadays, these wives can whoop husbands. It's all a form of betrayal. How do we betray betray Christ? Christ is betrayed when God has blessed you with his presence, with his protection, and with his provisions, and you respond by making flimsy excuses for robbing God and not tithing and not giving him the best of what he has given you. How much did you pay for the rain? What do you pay for the sunshine? How much did you pay to get the Holy Ghost? How much did the Holy Ghost cost you? And God has made us recipients of all all of these things. And then we turn around and rob him in the house of God. It's one thing to steal behind somebody's back. But when you steal right in their face, that's betrayal, beloved. Well, I'm not through talking about how we betray him. How do we betray him? Number four, when we are given a great opportunity to witness for Christ and we keep our mouth shut. When God is prompting us to speak for him, that is silent betrayal. Be honest. Let's be transparent today. How many of you all know without a doubt God prompted you to witness to a particular person at some point in your life and you knew you were supposed to tell that person about Jesus and you failed to tell them about Jesus because perhaps you were intimidated or you didn't know how you were going to be received or you you didn't know the outcome or you just... Uh, you just kind of went in your own private closet. How many of you have been prompted by the Spirit and you missed your God moment, even though the Holy Ghost was prompting you, you grieved the spirit. Come on, let's be honest in here. Every you some kind of saint. If every time God has prompted you, you told the message of Christ a hundred percent of the time. Listen, you some kind of saint. You come. All of us have have missed the opportunity to witness. And we hushed our mouths when Jesus said, "Speak up,
1: Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. speak up."
0: That's silent betrayal. It's a silent betrayal. Romans 1:16 says, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes it, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek." God has been too good to us for us to be ashamed of the gospel. Number five. We betray Christ when we cry out for God's help and mercy, making promises in the midst of crisis, only to renege on those promises once God delivers. Have you ever been in a predicament that you know you needed the Lord to get you out of? Have you ever made a mess? You made the mess, but you need the Lord to come through out of the mess you made. How many of you made a mess that God had to clean up? How many of y'all made, I, I ain't talking about a mess, I'm talking about some messes. Yeah. Uh, how many have been sick or, uh, uh, you've been in a tight or uh, your uh, trouble has been all your way? You say, God, if you get me out of this, if you get me through this surgery, if you get me through whatever it is, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to give you. I'm going to be more available. And then God comes through and answers your prayer and you get your little self up and you forget about the commitment you made to God in the crisis. That's betrayal. That's betrayal. That's betrayal. Oh, we betray God so many ways. We betray Christ when we have so much to be thankful for, and yet we respond to him with ingratitude and a spirit of complaining. That's betrayal. God gave, woke you up this morning. God let you have running water and hot water and cold water and just have water, period, to be able to swallow and blink your eye, to be able to move your fingers and have your being, and then you whine and complain about the least little thing. you got jobs you don't deserve to be on. you got raises that you've never had before. You travel in places you've never traveled before. you wearing clothes you, you used to couldn't wear. Somebody know what I'm talking about. I mean, God has blessed you. He's opened up the windows of heaven and poured out some blessing upon you, and you respond like Israel whining and complaining as if God hadn't done a thing for you, and that's betrayal. You betray Christ and your spouse when you break your marital vows because of infidelity, leaving a trail of lies and deception. You come before the altar to preach in the congregation. He said, do you celebrate from before God these witnesses to take this man To be your lawful husband or wife, until death do you part, etc. etc. And you say, both of you say, I do and I do. And then you break that covenant because of irreconcilable differences. I don't know where that is in the Bible anyway. You know? Or you got this husband or this wife, perhaps you put all you you poured all your heart into the relationship. All your money, all your time, you gave all of yourself and you thought you had a real relationship only to see signs that was devastating to you. And God revealed it in the fullness of time and to find out that the spouse you you love that you thought you could trust betrayed you had all this sideline stuff going on the side and just devastated you and uh, uh, left you in a mess, and to this day, you are still in recovery, or you got the scars to show for it, my friend, that's betrayal. And you think that doesn't hurt, that hurts. I don't don't know how that feels. You have to teach me about that. But I can only imagine the devastating impact of somebody that has given of their lives Poured out their lives, opened up their heart, and gave the relationship all they had for that person to do them like they did. Like that old Negro spiritual that says, Nobody knows the trouble I see. Nobody knows but Jesus. Infidelity hurts, it pains. Number eight, you betray Christ. When you reap the spiritual benefits of the church, but give nothing or very little in it in return, you get saved in the church, revived in the church. You get healed in the church. You get encouraged in the church. You get loved in the church. You get acceptance in the church. You make new spiritual friends in the church, new opportunities for your children in the church, but fail to give of your time, talents, and treasures to that same church. That's betrayal. You got some folk that are professional spiritual moochers. They just go. They're not going to dig in and settle in anywhere. They church hoppers. They just go from place to place, and they just mooch off folk. And they don't give nothing in return. they professional moochers. They take all they can get, but don't give nothing in return. You need to stop mooching and start giving. Won't y'all say Amen. Now, since we know that betrayal is imminent in all of our lives, how do we respond to betrayal? The issue is uh, not, not if, it's when. And when it comes, how do you respond as a Christian? Number one, we can look at the life of Jesus and see how we ought to respond. Number one. Like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we must pray our way through the crisis of betrayal. For it was prayer that sustained, sustained Jesus through the kangaroo court trials, the makeshift court trials, and the agony of the cross. It says in Matthew twenty-six thirty-nine, he he went a little farther, fell on his face, and prayed. You know how Jesus was able to make it through Gethsemane and sweating. Uh, great great drops of blood and the agony of the cross and all that experience is because his life was filled with prayer and let me tell you something when crisis come if you prayed before the crisis that crisis will not collapse your life as, di- di- as difficult as it may be you, you you hold up and not fold up because prayer kept you up how are we to respond when betrayed number two Instead of holding a, gr- a grudge or becoming bitter, Jesus forgave his persecutors. For it says in Luke 23, 34, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I mean, th- here are the people crucified. I mean, they spit on him. That took a lot of Jesus in you to say, Father, forgive. Somebody spit in your face. I mean, it's, that's That's nasty. Just think about it. You don't even like to drink behind folk. Come on, let's be honest. Is that your glass? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and they spit in him. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Wow. That's how we are to respond. Number three, Jesus did not seek revenge or retaliation. He told Peter to put up his sword when Peter cut off Malchus' ear, as the account says in uh, Matthew 26, 50, 51 through 53. That's the account. The mob and the religious leaders were coming to arrest and apprehend Jesus. And, and, and Peter, you know, you mess with God, you mess with me. And he pulled that sword out the sheep and he went for Malchus's. Now, he went for the neck, missed the neck and sliced his ear off. He wasn't, he wasn't an ear cutter. He was a beheader. He was going for the head. He wanted at that head. He just had a, he aimed bad or something. Malchus must have ducked, caught that ear, and there it is on the ground, that bloody ear. And here it is in the night. You think Jesus wouldn't be able to find that? You know, they didn't have these lights on the street like they do nowadays. You know, light up. It was dark out there in Gethsemane. And Jesus with his X-rated, X-ray eyes. I'm going to say X-rated, but X-ray eyes. (laughs) Picked up up the, the ear and put it back on Malchus, his own enemy. Ear. And the ear attached itself as if it was never taken off. You
1: ever think about that? Now, that's love, folk. As committed children of the only true and living God, we walk by faith and not by sight. Life on earth is not easy. Yet, even in the midst of trials and tribulations, we have joy, hope, peace, strength, and God's blessed assurance as we face trials. Best yet, we look forward to hearing our Savior say, well done, thou good and faithful servant and eternal life with our Lord and Savior. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683. Join us on Resurrection Sunday, April 17th at Maranatha Bible Church for our 8 a.m. worship service, children's program at 9.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. worship service as we celebrate our risen Savior. For more information, please visit us at maranathasa.org.